Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast live on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter and later on our podcast channel. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We've brought you loads of great content over the weekend and there'll be loads more great content coming over the next few months. I'm Andrew Musgrove, joined by Aaron Stokes as usual for our weekly Q&A session on everything Newcastle United. Sadly, Aaron, we come into the show on the back of Newcastle United losing the Cowboy Cup final against Manchester United uh, a couple of days on. How are you feeling about that result and, and Newcastle ultimately not bringing the cup back to Tyneside? Probably still as gutted as I was Sunday night, to be fair. I don't think um, I'll be getting it over it anytime soon, but trying to stay positive, and I think you know it was a very positive weekend, wasn't it? We had a fantastic time, even though the result um, you know, ended how it was. It would have just been the cherry on the cake, but... Um, you know, the general consensus has, has been that there'll be more. They won't be waiting 24 years till the next one. And I think, you know, everybody's in agreement with that. Um, but yeah, just a fantastic weekend overall, I thought. Yeah, I think that is the general consensus. It's what I said on the podcast, what I said on the video view on our YouTube channel, walking back to the hotel, that, you know, we're not going to have to wait another 24 years to get to a final. And you have to also look, back at where Newcastle were this time last year. It's a moment for reflection. But actually, a couple of days on, uh, my train of thought shifted slightly. And I think there was a moment to look back and say, well, we were here, we were battling relegation, battling for survival. Um, So, you know, to get to a final is an amazing achievement in such a short space of time. But you now have to start looking forward. We've looked back, we've done that. That's enough. You know, the top teams don't spend time looking back spend time looking forward i just think you know the next time newcastle united get to an fa cup final or a league cup final a final of a major trophy you know it was a big big occasion a special occasion this time around but next time it has to be routine it has to be the norm and that hopefully um it, it, it does become that but i think the time is probably now passed to, to to be looking back because i don't think that will help anybody um especially in, in future finals yeah, I, I do agree with that to an extent. I think um, everybody knows that there were sort of underdogs going into the game. I don't think there was that much in it between the two teams, but we all knew the two varying runs of form going into it. Um, everybody knows, you know, how the game went. It was just, you know, they were caught, sort of cut with, caught with two sucker punches, you know, six minutes apart. Um, so, yeah, I think you do have to remember where these teams came from in the last couple of months. You do got to remember that. A lot of these players, um, you know, have been with the club since they were in the championship and things like that. It was a fantastic achievement to even get there. Um, I think until this squad gets better, I think until there's more investment, I think until there's more depth, um, you know, just reaching a final would be a good achievement. I think I don't think you can look too far ahead with this current crop of players. You can't, but I just wonder if now we we reflect on reflecting back to Newcastle this time last year. I think it, it, it seemed for some, and I, I'm sure I was guilty of this as part of the weekend, like we were grateful to be at Wembley. And, and given the 14 years of hurt with Mike Ashley and what went before as well, you know, the, 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 the 10 years previously, I know we had European Knights under Sir Bobby Robson, but Newcastle, you know, the last been in a, a final back in 99, it seemed at points like, yeah, we should be grateful we're then that probably on reflection 
wasn't wasn't helpful mentality to have. But, but could they have had any other mentality? Like you, you can't deny the facts and that the facts are they haven't been there for twenty five years. You know, some of the fans that were in the stands on Sunday evening weren't even born the last time Newcastle got to a semi final, never mind a final. So I don't think I don't think the mentality was wrong. I think it was just natural to feel like that. Manchester United have, you know, their trophy drought that lasted all of about five minutes. Um, you know, Newcastle United, of course, when they go into a different final, different mindset. So I get your point about going forward and next time it needs to be different and there needs to be sort of this mentality that they belong there. But I, I, I don't think you can... I don't think it's a surprise that everybody, including ourselves, probably went down there feeling grateful, as, as you say. I mean, it was, a, it was a, a fantastic weekend. And when I say it becomes the norm, it becomes the routine, the really promising thing is, is that you fully expect it to become that. I mean, we heard Amanda Stavely yesterday on Talk Sports in Newcastle will win everything under the sun. So the owners, or at least Amanda Stavely, have got this real ambition to make sure that, you know, when Newcastle go to Wembley, it isn't once in a, in a, in a generation, generation. Yeah, look, I think nobody really, yes, it's ambitious, but nobody really doubts Stavely when she says that. You do believe that there will be a big sort of injection of cash in the summer. There will be more, um, you know, better quality players brought in. Um, and, and you believe her when she says that she and the board generally do believe that they're going to go and win things. Obviously, it's going to take time. Um, I think we saw again on Sunday, it was a reminder of the gulf that, you know, the big six, yes, Newcastle are sort of up there fighting with them this season, but to do that on a consistent basis, they need, you know, a mountain uh, more of, of investment. So um, very positive. I thought it was a very good interview from Stavely, um, even if it was, you know, very ambitious, but fans want to hear it, fans believe us. So yeah, hopefully it's the start of, you know, a, a period where they can start gradually getting better. How important was it that Yasal Omani was at Wembley for the final and he, he gets to see, and like he did maybe the week, the week before against Liverpool, he gets to see where Newcastle United are and it might help shape the, the plans going forward alongside Dan Ashworth and, and Eddie Howe going forward in the next couple of windows. Just how important was it that he gets to see that in person and he's not reading it you know, off a WhatsApp message or he's not reading it from a report someone's put together, he's seen it with his own eyes. Yeah, massively important. I mean, he's he's obviously been to you know a handful of games at St James's Park and seen the atmosphere. It was obviously would have been very very exciting for him personally to be there Sunday. And if I'm completely honest, I think the manner of the performance, you know, probably did impress him. Yes, you know, Newcastle United weren't um, at their very best, and yes, you know, they probably could have played all night and not scored, but they didn't let their heads drop, they kept going and I think for him personally that'll have been very, very good to see combined with what we saw in the stands and obviously sitting next to Stavely and Murdad all game, I think it would have just been a very, very um, positive experience for him and Eddie Howe did say after the, in the press conference that he'd had a very brief chat with Yasser when he went up to collect his medal and it was all very positive so it can only be a good thing really. Mm. And, you know, we mentioned or a lot of people in the, in the comments mentioned about squad depth and what have you, it was quite something to see uh, the players that they could bring off the bench Roger makes a point here that, that you know my United squad is worth approximately 300 million pounds more than Newcastle's you know they had players that they could bring off the likes of uh, bring up bring off the bench the likes of uh, uh, Maguire McTominay where they could really change the the, the the tactics of the game if they want to shut up shop they can do that if they want to throw on another attacker who's got the real quality to change the game they can do that as well Newcastle and for all Jacob Murphy did really well when he came off the bench. Isaac for me, man of the match from a Newcastle point of view. They haven't got that depth, and it was probably another reminder of just potentially where they, they they fell down in January in the in the transfer window and where they need to go in the summer. Yeah, they're looking they're looking light in in a few areas of the pit. There's no there's no secret around that. Um, if they managed to hold on to you know a European place this season. They're going to need a massive overhaul in the summer because you're probably going to need six, seven players. I think brought in in different positions. One to improve the the quality of the start eleven, and two to make sure you've got decent options coming off the bench. Now I think in time, maybe the likes of Longstaff and Miggy and Share will become those players that come off the bench. Um, a few others maybe as well. 
but yeah, you've touched on it there, you know, Jaden Sancho and Harry Maguire, you know, I think they cost about 160 million between them. They're coming off the bench. Sabitz is obviously on loan, but he's from Bayern Munich. They're, they're bringing on fantastic players and, and, you know, it was always going to be the game changer. And it, it, although it didn't prove to be because Man United were already comfortably 2-0 up, it did just help them see out the game at the end. When you look back now, is there a little bit of frustration perhaps that Newcastle, you know, weren't beaten by an amazing moment of quality. They weren't beaten because they were really, really poor. They were beaten probably because they just didn't go up to the level that was required. I I thought they were kind of just average, didn't do anything bad. They necessarily didn't do anything brilliant within the game. And I think you sit here now and it really seems like a missed opportunity because there were moments where you thought they can just get, you know, in between them, around the back of them. You know, if St Maximum can just find that end product, Newcastle could get to get a goal here. And I know De Gea had one or two saves to make, but on a whole, now I look back, I just think it's a real missed opportunity because yeah, they just they just didn't seize it. Yeah, I, I think the manner of the performance was good. I think the the way they responded at 2-0 down was really good. I think, you know, they, Manchester United's game plan was obviously just to give them the ball and sort of try and break on the counter, but I thought Newcastle gave it a good go. I just think, did they ever really, really look like scoring? I, I, I can't really say they did. Obviously, they had Jacob Murphy's shot at the end that went wide. Maxi's chance in the first half. Burns header in the first half. Apart from that, it's, am I missing any big chances? I feel like De Gea hardly had to make a save. I think Manchester United did defend very well, but I just think in the final third at the moment, and it wasn't just Sunday, it's been the last couple of weeks, they just look like they're running a bit out of ideas. I think teams have worked out how to defend against them. Um, and I just think, as I said earlier in the pod, I think it was one of there where they probably could have played on for another 45 minutes and, and probably not scored. So... Again, a lot of that is down to Manchester United. The quality they've got, the way they're defending. I mean, Martinez and Varane were fantastic. Casemiro, is, as you know, offers so much support in front of the back four as well. So it, it's a it's a missed opportunity in the sense that they've got to final to a one-off game. If Maxi had taken that chance, it's a different game. But I, but I don't think... I'm not really sure what much more Newcastle could have done. I thought that was probably them playing it close to what their best is at the minute in terms of their current form, Man United, you felt like they could go up another two levels if they really wanted to. I think there's a, there's a couple of elements, isn't it? Like you say, clubs have worked out how best to nullify the threat of Newcastle. I mean, if you'd said to me before this game, Newcastle would have had 61% possession in a Wembley final, would have had 347 accurate passes. Man United had just 282 passes of the entire game, 187 accurate Newcastle had a lot of the ball, but they're not necessarily at the stage in their development where they're they're comfortable. I don't think with that. You know, usually early in the season it was they'll get the ball, hit hit teams on the counter. Whereas it was my United that set, set off, and my United were quite happy allowing the defence just to pass it around themselves. They weren't pressing them, and I think Newcastle have really struggled recently to get to get into that mindset where actually we're going to have to try and dominate now because they've got the pacey wingers, haven't they? They've got the pace in midfield to hit teams on the counter, but when they're faced with having to take control of the game, it's not quite there. I guess that's another um, tip to where they need to maybe go in, in the summer transfer market. Yeah, I agree with that, but I also think another big point is that they're not used to chasing games this season. You know, Liverpool on Saturday, they were 2-0 down, they had to chase. Chef Wed in the FA Cup, they had to chase. Apart from that, you know, they haven't lost any other games apart from Liverpool and Anfield, where they only actually went behind... In, in the 98th minute, um, obviously after the, after the first two goals. So this Newcastle United team are used to getting the first goal or you know leading or, and then defending that league. I don't think they look comfortable when actually they're chasing the game. And I think we saw that at Liverpool. Yes, it was another spirited performance. It's good to see that they're not letting their heads drop, even against you know the big six teams and they're going two goals down. But again, you just... It, I just don't. You just don't look at this team and feel like they're confident they're going to get back into it. Like I say, I feel like for all their possession, for all you know, the amount of movement they had in the final third and Sunday, you never really felt like they were going to be able to overturn the tide. So things to work on. You know, City on Saturday. You know, you probably couldn't pick a worse game to go into after a, a cup final defeat. But fully focused on the Premier League now. If they can start getting back to winning ways. 
and, and sort of getting the season back on track great, right? but it just it's just not working in attack for some reason. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's just not clicked, has it? And I think, again, we've spoken about this so many times over the last few weeks. The clinical edge in front of goal is just not there. You need to take your chances when they come your way. Okay, you can't maybe compensate for when Dekea pulls off a fantastic save. But on the whole... You know, you're not creating enough chances and the chances you are creating, you're not putting them away. My United did exactly that. You know, they, they took their chances. I know one was a wicked deflection. The other one, you can definitely say it was bad defending from Newcastle. But the point being is that they took their chances and that's why they took the cup back. Um, it was interesting, and we'll hear from Eddie Howe in a moment, but it was interesting in his press conference where he kind of said it's the same issues which he's been trying to deal with over the last few weeks, i.e. not being clinical in those big moments that's what he said you know we weren't clinical enough and the game is decided on big moments how does he fix it because we are sitting here Eddie Howe was sat there in that press conference and said you know I'm paraphrasing but essentially he he, he knows this has been an issue for probably since the turn of the air really yeah if, if I'm completely honest I don't think he knows his best three attackers I think you could probably ask 10 Newcastle United fans on the street who they think is going to start in those three positions on Saturday, and you'd probably get four or five different answers. You know, is he going to stick with Maxi on the left? Is he going to keep persistent with Callum Wilson, even though he doesn't look right? Does Miggy keep his place in the team, even if he's not performing? You've got Willick to come back. You've got Isaac. Where, where on earth does he want to play Isaac? Does he want to play him as a ten? Does he want to play him as a nine? Does he want to stick him on the wing? Add that. You know. You feel like with Isaac, every week he's playing in a different position. Yes, I know he's played that number 10 role a couple of times off Callum Wilson, but I'm still not sure where his actually best position is. I do agree with you that he, that he was a, a bright spark off the bench. You know, he did look like he wanted to make things happen. So I think I think that there is a problem that lies there, and that is that there isn't a settled front three that are playing together every week building partnerships, building relationships. And, you know, Eddie Howe hasn't really had this problem early in the season because Maxi wasn't fit, Isaac wasn't fit, Miggy was absolutely flying. Um, so interesting to see the next couple of weeks if any of them can step up or if they can sort of find a way to gel together. But, I mean, who starts on Saturday? I couldn't tell you. And I think if me and you sat here now and, and say it, I think it'll be different. I, think it'll, I think it'll be Wilson. Yeah, I think it should, it should be Isaac if you're asking me. I think based on, on what we saw on, on Sunday, it should be Isaac, but I think he'll stick with Wilson. Uh, I think I think anyhow seems to be one of those managers who he, he doesn't really like to change it until he really, really has to. And I think he likes to think, you know, yeah, form is temporary, class is permanent, and that Wilson will, will grab an, a goal. And he said in the press conference that Callum, on his last start, scored, and that swayed his decision. Now, he did see Isaac played well, but it was because Callum scored on, on his... On his last start, which was interesting. Then he did also say he thought the two played well together. So maybe we could even see both of them in the side going forward from the start. Yeah, potentially. It it would probably just be a system change, which he hasn't been, you know, too reluctant to do this season. It would probably mean Longstaff drops out and we see what we saw in the second half on Sunday. But then again, as I've just mentioned, you've got Joe Willett to come back, you've got Anthony Gordon to come back, which I think, you know, a lot of us had sort of forgotten. Um, you know he's going to be fighting and trying to get in this team. I would like to see Maxi and Isaac start together with Isaac in the number nine position, um, because they do seem to have you know quite a good partnership together. They seem to enjoy playing together. But 
honestly, I, I don't know who will start on Saturday. Um, but I don't know. I'm not sure if he got it wrong on Sunday. I think I think he might have. I I get why he started Wilson, but I, I, I don't know. There's just he just for whatever reason doesn't seem to have been able to shake whatever's you know plagued him since the World Cup. Yeah, I mean he doesn't look the same player, and I don't think he did anything to justify his start on Sunday. Do not get me wrong at all. Newcastle didn't lose that final because of Callum no, Wilson. No, of course not. But they also didn't win it, you know, because of Callum Wilson. He just doesn't look the player he was. Whether it's a, you know this illness that he had as well mm-hmm. um, after the World Cup, which he's still not been able to, to shake off. Then he picks up that hamstring injury. But there was just there was a moment in the second half when the ball's played into his feet. If he turns the defender, he's pretty much got a free run in the box. But instead. He flicks it to his left towards Almiron, and it was—I mean, it was—it was—it was a wasteful pass. And mine, I got the ball and went up the field. And you just think the Callum Wilson four or five months ago is getting that ball, he's trapping that ball, he's turning and he's running, and there's just something because I don't think he's a confidence player. I don't—it's no, not about no. confidence. I don't know—I don't know what it is, but Newcastle are suffering it without him on form because you know on his day. He is he's he's a worthy worthy striker of that black and white number nine, um, and yeah, the, Eddie Howe, fingers crossed, can find that remedy because without him, Newcastle are, are are much worse off. Yeah, look, Howe's Howe's obviously seen something on the on the training pitch that is making him start Wilson. Um, but yeah, I, I think we've just touched on that. I think if this was the Wilson before the World Cup, then Newcastle would have stood a much greater chance. But now, you know, he's not just battling Chris Wood, he's battling Alexander Isaac, and Isaac does look capable of playing in that position. Um, but look, uh, one positive I will say about all this is that Howe's got options now. You know, he has got all these players fit for the first time with the inclusion of Gordon. Um, they're going to have options to bring off the bench, which, you know, we've just obviously talked about how crucial it was for Manchester United. So there is positives to take. I, I don't want to be too negative, but I just think... Um, yeah, I, I just think some of the manner of the performances up, up front and, and how stale it looked and stuff, I just think, you know, something does need to be changed in, in the weeks going forward. Yeah, don't, again, get us wrong, you know, very proud of, of, of the lads for getting to the final. And like I say, it, it wasn't a bad performance. It was a good performance. It just, just it just lacked, you know, it lacked really the quality of, of, an, of an elite team, really, that my United, you know, for all their bad form, are still probably closer to that bracket than Newcastle United are because of that, like we say, that squad depth was was something else. Um, but yeah, again, it's, you know, you sit here and you will go on a roller coaster of emotions, won't you? Because it is a final first one in 24 years. And I don't know, would you, would you rather be sitting here thinking, oh, I mean, that was a quality goal, a 30-yard strike, or Newcastle played really badly, or would you rather be sitting here saying, right, they played okay, six minutes of, of poor defending, and we, we, we know we look to the next one. No, I think I'm 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 much happier sitting here, but knowing that they've given it a very good go. You know, I think there was just sort of a collective, you know, punch in the gut when that second goal went in, and the wind got taken out of the players and the fans, and even us in the press box. And it, it, obviously, when half time was approaching, you thought, well, well, that's it. But actually, in the second half, they did have spells where you thought, you know, they're giving this a good go. It's it's incredibly hard when you've got, as I've said, you know, Varane, Casemiro, who have won nine Champions Leagues. But I think what was it now? Seventeen out of Casemiro's last eighteen finals he's, he's won. Top quality players. Isn't nine he? in a row. De Gea, Rashford, um, Luke Shaw, all you know, experienced final players. When you look at that Newcastle United team, Kieran Trippier is one of them. Yes, they've got some fantastic players, but you no, know, nothing anything like Manchester United's experience in terms of big games and finals. So I'm glad that they give it a go. They did not get, you know, outclassed by any means. I think I didn't actually think Manchester United played that well. No. Just very, very, very good on the counter. Very good at, you know, just shoring up that defence. I think what the main frustration is is that they weren't too far off Manchester United. And I think yeah. that's the frustrating thing. Like, you know, it's a bit like if you get knocked out in the second leg of the semi-final after going 3-0 up in the first leg, you know, you're so close to it. And they weren't that far behind. Just they just couldn't get up to the next level, um, which was which was really really frustrating. Um, yeah, d- disappointing. But as we see, you know, the lads did did very well to get there. Let's talk about the midfield. I want to first off talk about sh- the decision to take Sean Longstaff off. Now, mm-hmm. if we're talking about elite mentality, then I think you look at that decision from Eddie Howe. 
He was asked about it in his press conference and he said, no, it was a tactical decision. I just felt we didn't have any time to waste. Off comes Sean Longstaff, biggest game of his career, Jory Toon, Toon uh, boyhood fan. Um, and Eddie Howe, no room for sentiment, just takes him off, throws Isaac on to try and win the game. That is the kind of brutality we need from, from Eddie Howe, you know, isn't it? Because I think he's got this persona of being like maybe, you know, uh, too nice, I think, in, in certain certain quarters. You can maybe see it with the, with the Wilson and, uh, you know, the sentiment kind of there. But he showed on, on Sunday with that decision that, you know, he takes no prisoners. Yeah, it, it, it was, as you say, you know, a brutal dis- uh, decision. Obviously, Longstaff and Byrne going into it had the, you know, the jury element of being, you know, local lads playing for their team. But Eddie Howe knew it was right for the team. And actually, it did work because, you know, Longstaff had a, you know, relatively quiet half by his standards. Isaac instantly came on, was driving at the defence. He was trying to make things happen. He looked very, very sharp, I thought. Um, so, yeah, I mean, two weeks and he's had two brutal decisions to make. Elliot Anderson... Firstly, on his Premier League debut, and now Longstaff in a final. So, um, I don't think Eddie Howe's too nice. I know what you mean. There is a sort of, you know, that sort of aura about him of being a, a very, very nice man. But I think when he does have to make the tough decisions, he has. And, you know, these decisions will only get tougher when the stakes get higher. And if they're in Europe next season, no room for sentiment at all. So, yeah, it, it was a good it was a good decision, I thought. Yeah, definitely. Because as we've mentioned there, Isaac probably looked like the only man that could get Newcastle back into the game. We'll talk about Joel Linton first off, because for me, I felt you know, he just had another really good game. There was a moment in the first open six minutes when he when he twice turned the Manchester midfield like there was no one there. He took three players out of the game with a with a with a turn. He just he's strong, he's good on the ball. Okay, he lost his head uh, towards the end of the first half and he probably needed to be calmed down in the dressing room, but he came out and handled himself really well because one of our colleagues turned to me and said, you know, he could get sent off here because you Mm. could see they were just starting to lose a bit of focus, but obviously whatever was said in the dressing room worked out um, in in, in terms of the players staying on the pitch and worked out, of course, in terms of the result. But I felt Joe Linton, again, just continues to impress. And, you know, we've said, hadn't we, that it's going to have to end one day. That that you know his form is going to have to win. Miggy's form's dropped off. Trippier's form has dropped off. Wilson's form has dropped off. But one man who keeps on performing is Joe Linton, and just utterly impressive yet again. Yeah, he, he was very good. I thought he was you know one of one of the few Newcastle players that really stood out of, of having a good game. He dealt with Casemiro very well. There was a very good moment in the second half where Anthony was sort of doing his flicks on the touchline. Joe Linton just comes over and says. You know, you're not going to take the mitt out of us in a cup final. So um, he is starting to become this sort of consistent figure where every single week you're not giving him lower than seven or an eight, um, you know, in your own sort of predict uh, your rating. So, yeah, very, very good. I thought Bruno was very good, especially first half at trying to just drive the team forward. As I, you know, I, I feel, different like, class, Bruno, I feel like I say it every week, but Newcastle just look like a, just a completely... You know, it's it's like night and day when he plays and when he doesn't play, he's he's just absolutely fantastic. But is there is there an an issue there because we we saw him go over his ankle and it looked. I mean, it's one of those when you watched it on the replay, you grimaced yourself. You felt it. Um, it looked very similar to the one uh, against. Go on, remind me, crew did it, but I can't remember who it was. You know what? Eddie Howe couldn't remember either in his own press conference, so um, excuse us. But you know, the one that he did um a few weeks back and. It looked painful, and then he continued for what was a 10, 15 minutes or so. He was hobbling about. He looked in discomfort. He left the stadium with a bit of a limp. And I think it just shows you the the reliance on him. You know, I know it's a final. You need your best players on the pitch. But you do wonder now whether you'll play against Manchester City. Yeah, I mean, look, we knew in January, we knew at the end of January, we knew going into February, we knew going into this game that they're light in midfield more than more than most positions. You know, that Shelby decision just keeps coming back to bite them. But I think the fact he played on after that initial ankle injury is is promising. I think how maybe took him off as a little bit of precaution as he tried to change the game at the end. Um, you know, the players are back in training probably now as we speak, so hopefully, you know, there's good news from the camp and and he's back training. But just, um, just reaffirms, doesn't it? Because if that's Manchester United, you know, they take him off, they bring Sancho on or they yeah. bring, you know, whoever on, where's it? Newcastle. Yeah. And again, no disrespect to the players on the, on the on the bench, but it's, 
you know, it's it's it's, it's Jacob Murphy or it's an Elliot Anderson, and, and it's they're not game changers, mm-hmm. are they? And, and I think it maybe again just shows you, unfortunately, not getting in that that centre midfield in January. You know, it's maybe going to come at a cost now, especially now like they've left let let Shelby go. Obviously, you can't couldn't predict what was going to come down the line, but they are definitely lacking in that midfield. Yeah, definitely. And obviously we saw the three games before the final where Bruno was suspended, how different the team looks as a whole. I mean, if if Bruno, you know, let's just say, you know, I'm touching wood here, not the 10th faith, but if he suffers an injury, misses a couple of weeks, and Jolton gets a three-game ban, you're then, it's Longstaff, Willick and Elliot Anderson starting, and I mean, who comes off the bench? They are, you know, just a couple of sort of scenarios away from being extremely short but look this is nothing new we knew this was going to happen you know Eddie Howe will continue to say he feels he did the right thing with John Joe Shelby not standing in the players way of wanting to play football I certainly think Shelby and Darlow are probably thinking did we not, should we not have just waited six more months um, because they probably both would have been involved at Wembley so yeah but look big big summer ahead to make sure that they sort of right the wrongs of January I think Roger says Murphy did very well when he came on. And I, I agree with you. Yeah, I think he did. he did do very well. That wasn't me having a go at his performance. But what I'm saying is there's a difference in bringing Jacob Murphy off the bench and there's a difference in bringing Sancho off the bench is the point I'm making. No disrespect again to Jacob Murphy. But I did actually think Murphy did really well. You know, Again, he, I think towards the final 10 minutes, Newcastle were in that kind of lull, weren't they? You know... Trying their best, but you, you knew they were never going to get back into it. And he just seemed, along with Isaac, one of those players who was just trying to drive it forward. I mean, he had a shot, and that, that was one of the only really efforts on goal they had in the second half. And it narrowly went wide. He then made some really important interceptions as, as my night were pushing for the third uh, the third goal. So I don't think he's done his chances of maybe even you know starting it in, in the coming weeks any harm at all. I mean, anyhow, obviously loves them. He's... I think the most used substitute Eddie Howe has had in it had at Newcastle this season. But yeah, I thought Jacob Murphy did 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 very well um, when he when he came off the bench. Alan St Maxman um, carried a threat, but we hoped that with with the big stage in in front of him, all the cameras, all the lights, we just didn't didn't get that action. If I'm completely honest, I think Max had a good game. I think he was the by far and away their biggest threat. I think the only the only sort of negative around the performance was maybe the final ball, the you know, the killer decision, the maybe just holding on to the ball for two or three touches too too long, you know, more than once. Um but look, you know, on another day, I mean that was a fantastic save from De Gea and he did fantastically well to even get in that position. Um and he was he was given Dallow in the first half and Wambasak in the second half a really hard time. But I just think, you know, he's he's still probably trying to find full fitness. He's he's been back in the team, but he's probably still trying to get back up to speed. I think if that had been the maxi of the start of the season when he was, you know, consistently starting games, it might have been a different outcome. But I think just like Liverpool last week, I don't think he's done himself any favours. Be very, very surprised if he didn't start on, on Saturday. Hmm. Yeah, but well, it's that Man City game. Maybe you could go and uh, give Cal Walker another, another, another few nightmares. Didn't quite happen for Miggy. You know his form is he's tailed off. Newcastle need his goals again. You know, like Maxi, he tried. He worked his socks off, but more running sideways than 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 forward paths. Yeah, uh, not too much to say about Miggy other than that. I thought it was the Miggy of old. Of, of you know, and I'm not talking all as in start of the season. I'm talking of Miggy of you know the last two or three years, and I think this is the problem that we've all been sort of worried about. Even when he was, you know, the goals are flying in every time he touched the ball, he was scoring. We were always worried it was going to sort of revert to type, and it, I, I hate to say it because I love Miggy. It's great that he signed new deal. I think he's a he's a wonderful asset to have at the club, but I just think Newcastle, if they if they really want to start to compete on a regular basis, they need someone who's going to play in that right midfield position or that right forward position, and just every week be on it. Real experience, and I just think with Miggy, very good in fits and spells, he would be a fantastic option off the bench for his graft and his pace. But I just think week in week out, it's just it's just not it's just not enough there. I hear you when you say that, and I, I agree. So then I will take what you've said, and I'll say well. 
does the same apply to Alan St Maxman as well? Yeah, it, it does. And, and I'm not saying Miggy's alone in this. I think it applies to a few players. But I think we see more from Maxi overall than we see from Miggy. And I know that that's not that's probably not, you know, a lot of people say, well, this season Miggy's been flying. But I just think more times than not, when Maxi plays, he will produce something. Miggy, you, you never know from one week to the other where he's going to score a brace or whether he's, you know, he's going to have a quiet one. So... As I say, really like Miggy. He just had an off day Sunday, and I just think the last couple of weeks we've started to, you know, see that that old. And I'd love him to refine that form. Uh, Malcolm says we have no competition for Miggy's place. Well, hopefully, maybe you know, maybe Gordon. I know he tends to play on the left, and he can, he can um, offer that. We've got kind of in Maxi was better than Miggy in the final. Uh, Darren says he would push Joe Linton back into, into midfield. He would start with Isaac, St. Maximum, Gordon against City and dropping Wilson. Um, we've got people talking about uh, Wilson as well, saying that Wilson actually needs to be a sub. Here we are, Trules saying Wilson needs to be a sub from now on. He's scored one goal in 15 games and that's not good enough in their opinion. Uh, Darren says, picking on Miggy now, are we? Worth his place for work rate alone. Um, hey, look, I'm still I'm still the chairman of the Miggy fan club, and I think, you know, the thing about Sunday was, and it's refreshing in a way that we're not sitting here saying someone had a horrendous game and someone made a mistake and what have you. You know, the reason they didn't win the final was was because collectively they weren't good enough. They they just again, in my opinion, were just average. It it needed a hero to step up. They didn't get it, but you know, you're looking for the positives. At least you can say collectively as a team. There were no, well, they, 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 you know, they were, they were, they were okay. And in, as an individual, no one made a mistake. No one's going to bed thinking, oh, you know, that didn't play very well there. Yes, they should have done better with that cross for the first goal. But again, that's a, that is a, as that's a unit, isn't that? That's a mistake of the defence. And I just want to ask you quickly about that. We seem to be sitting here, time and time again, talking about the same kind of goals being conceded. Fabian Chair. He did have a, a, a bang ahead. Maybe he shouldn't have even been on the pitch. Uh, but Casemiro just wanted that ball more, didn't he? Yeah, and I think it's it's become a sort of a a, a regular occurrence the last couple of weeks. They're conceding from set pieces all of a sudden when they never used to. Obviously, you know, we had that the corner at Bournemouth, the corner at West Ham, the free kick on Sunday. For whatever reason, you know, that, that sort of... Um, solidity they had from set pieces earlier in the season just seems to have gone. They're also now not scoring from set pieces at the other end either, which is just a you know a recipe for disaster. So we haven't we haven't really spoken about the fence, but I thought the defence was on the whole all right. I, think. I thought they kept Marcus Rashford actually really really quiet. Mm. I, I I think I mean you had this debate, didn't we? But actually, I thought he looked frustrated even when they were two and look. I and we were really worried about Marcus Rashford, but I don't think. They gave him too much space. There was a great save by Lois Carriers, who we'll talk about in a, in a brief moment. But other than really that effort, and maybe one other, I think in the first half when he when he when he managed to run at the defence, he didn't really do too much. And I think as he was the main threat that we were all worried about, Newcastle can take that as a positive that they managed to keep the, probably the informed player in the Premier League quiet. But did they though? Because he scored. <laughs> Well, well, it was a I mean, it was a deflection. So, it was a deflection, mm, wasn't it? I mean, it was going wide. He's somehow been, he's somehow been rewarded. The um, was that, I think that was going in. Was it? It's been, it's been yeah. rewarded him. Yeah, I did, I did forget that he was uh, responsible for Botman's uh, own goal. But I, honestly, you know, I don't, I don't think he was the the, the threat we, we we were worried about. I think mm. a few brief moments here or there. Yeah, I thought, I thought, I personally thought he caught Trippier out a couple of times. One for the the first, sorry for the second goal. Um, he's obviously he drew the foul for the for the first goal um, from Bruno and obviously Carrius made a very good save from him. So I actually thought um, he had a really good game. You know he is the Premier League's most informed player, as you rightly say. Um, and if I'm completely honest, as I said earlier, I think Manchester United could, if they wanted to, have lifted that game another level. Casemiro, Rashford, they all could have lifted it. You know it, it was pretty much cruise control for most of that second half. But then is that um, again, again, not is that not the frustration that you know? And you, so you essentially saying my United won that without getting out of first gear. I think Manchester United went two goals up, 
uh, I think even before Manchester United went two goals up, they were more than happy to let Newcastle United have the ball. I think if Newcastle had taken one of those chances and scored, Manchester United would have been straight back on it. There was times Veghorst got in behind. Fernandez really should have scored at the very end. Rashford had a very good chance as well as the goal he scored. I think Manchester United on a, on another day, if they'd been a closer game, they would have they would have put the afterburners on. I just thought that second half, you've touched on it there, sixty one percent possession for Newcastle, and yet you never really felt like Newcastle United were going to score. So it goes back to that point then that teams have worked Newcastle United out. Newcastle are going to have to start dominating games. They're going to have to start doing more with the ball. So what is Eddie Howe doing in training? Do you think? Do you think? He's he, he's trying and enlarge to stick to, you know, that counter-attacking approach. Or do you think he he will have changed tact? You know, this week for example. I mean, how do you, I mean again? It, it's an interesting one because if you if you look at it, just the the teams they're playing. I Newcastle versus Manchester United in the final. You would say, oh, well, my United surely going to have more of the ball. And you would say again this weekend against City, surely Man City can have more of the ball. But you know, it could work out the same way. City just say, right, come on, then you come and. You come on to us and, and we'll hit you on the counter because goodness knows they've got the players to do that. But how is he setting up his teams now in an attacking sense? Is he spending the day saying, well, look, work from the back, you've got the ball, let's make it work? Or is he sticking with what, what was tried and tested in the, in the early part of the season? I think they need to try and find a way to, as you said, not only dominate games but actually make that pay, make the possession pay as it was at the start of the season. I think going into this game against Manchester City, they'll probably very much be setting up to play a counter-attacking football. I can't see Manchester City letting any team dominate the ball at the Etihad Stadium, um, which will maybe play into Newcastle United's strength if you're playing Maxi, if you're playing Isaac, who have got the pace to spring a counter. Um, but, but they need to start doing more with it. With that, and we will have our usual preview with John Gibson later in the week, so we'll not dwell too much on, on, on the forthcoming game. But you know, we talked about St Maximum starting in the final and the reason I was all for it was because you know my United have some excellent players but I, I wasn't I mean Anthony's clearly a very good player but I wasn't you know being kept up at night about it whereas Man City players who could potentially play against Dan Byrne I am a little bit and I think it's this you know you get a point against Manchester City you say that's a good good result the finals one game of football you see it a maxi look Dan Byrne's going to be exposed you make sure that you're doing your job going forward and you get us the goal, you get us the assist. It's a little bit different in the league. It, it, you might go down um, to, to the Etihad and say, well, look, we'll, we'll, we'll try and go for a point here. But to do that, you know, Joe Linton or whoever is going to start on the left is really effectively going to be playing alongside Dan Byrne, maybe try and keep, whether it be Grealish or Mares quiet. But I think we've seen that in recent weeks and I think it works really well and we saw it on Sunday. Joe Litton does sort of play as a de facto left midfielder slash left wing back at times because he knows he's got to do the defensive work. And I thought again on Sunday, there was times in the second half where he was the man to stop Anthony rather than Byrne. Um, I just think if you are going to go to Manchester City and play counter-attacking football, it's probably Maxi that you'd want leading those counter-attacks purely because of how he can run at players. And um, you know him in, in transition is probably the player you want. Gordon, I mean, I don't think Gordon will start, but he's another who off the bench could could prove effective in that role. So, and again, I think I thought Maxi was actually one of the better players Sunday. Obviously, despite his sort of lack of end product, I thought he was one that was actually really trying to make things happen. And I think, as we as you touched on, what he did to Kyle Walker earlier this season, there's no reason that he can't do and do that again on on Sunday on Saturday. Uh, Stuart Thompson says my target needs to come back in the team for Dan Byrne. You know, it is. I've seen a lot of people saying that, and I understand why Dan Byrne has been fantastic. He's been, you know, a revelation at left back. You know, you probably couldn't meet a nicer man as well. But I just think going forward, does he offer enough? You know, we've seen it obviously at times on even on Sunday, he was you know, trying to get in the box. But I just think, you know, you never see, you know, Kieran Trippier, you know, he's created more chances than any player in the league bar De Bruyne this season. Newcastle don't have that down the left. It's purely, you know, him overlapping Almiron. And I think it's easy to forget how well Target played in that role back in the last season. So whether how we'll do it, I'm not sure. I wouldn't be completely against it if he did. 
Well, it, it's funny you mentioned there about Trippier creating chances because um, we spoke about this, didn't we, after the final whistle and we've been speaking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but uh, old angry gamer here said, Trips pass to Miggy, Miggy gets into cross position, turns his back, passes back to Trips for Bruno, wasted opportunity, same on the left wing, players in crossing positions but don't cross instead of passing back and that has been the story for the last month, six weeks or so. And it was evident on Sunday in the final, even with five or ten minutes to go, there was one moment where Trippier is on the edge of the box and he just doesn't get the ball in. in. You know, Dan Byrne is effectively playing as a left winger because the time is running out and he was he was he was down that end. You've got Isaac, you've got Callum Wilson. Get the ball in the box. You know, Trippier has gotten the most crosses uh in the Premier League this season. But I would love to know how many He's had of late. I think I said that in the last. I'll have to go and check it out. Um, but they just seem a little bit hesitant to get the ball in the box. And and I mean, why? Do you, I mean, first of all, do you agree? Um, to an extent, I do. I do still think Trippier is producing going forward. I know it's maybe not resulting in goals, but I think he's still looking a threat. But I think you know, me and you have noticed it. The old angry gamer has clearly noticed it that you sort of do work out what they're going to do now, that triangle of Miggy, um, Trippier, Almiron, sorry, uh, Bruno, you know, it is starting to become a little bit repetitive and I just think they need they need something else to unlock it and maybe that is Matt Target offering the same sort of service down the left and um, it, it, it's hard to judge because the defence has played so well, Dan Byrne has played so well, it would not be, you know, a gripe against him but I just think is this the new thing that unlocks, you know, sort of a new, a new system? Do you, do you in this think? Team? Do you think, given the formula, something has to change? Whether it be personnel, whether it be maybe even formation. We've got what you're saying is a time for maybe four three three. Um, I'm not sure whether he'll change the system, but I think certainly the personnel. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Target come back in. Um, if I'm completely honest, I think Willick might have got injured at the wrong time because it's hard to see whether. He can get back in this team above Longstaff, Jolinton and Bruno because I think now Maxi, Gordon and Isaac are probably going to be rooting for that left midfield position. I don't think we'll see um, Jolinton push back out wide. So this is what this is what we want though. We want options, we want depth, we want you know ways to change it and how he's got that now. So given the former late and how they've just started to stutter a little bit, maybe not this week but the following game, I would maybe like to see a, a couple of changes. I think Derek thinks we've been too negative, Aaron. Now it's Dan's turn, he says. He's been a key figure in the best defence in the league. Uh, hey, uh, look, we're uh, not hating on Dan Byrne at all. He's been superb. But what we're doing is, you know, I think if you're, if you're looking at the positions and the personnel, the left-back with Matt Target coming back to fitness is definitely one of those it's that is up for debate. debate. 100% it is. There's now a couple of positions that are up for debate. And I'd, look, I don't, want to, I don't want to be negative. The weekend, can I just say, it was absolutely fantastic. It was fantastic on the Saturday. It was a privilege to be there on the Sunday. This team have done fantastically well, but you can't ignore the fact that they're not scoring goals anymore. Um, they don't look as sharp as they did in attack. They don't look as sharp as they did at the back. And they've got a crucial run of games coming up. To make sure that they can, you know, keep this European push on track. So, um, whether how will change it up, I'm not too sure. But I certainly think he's got options there to do if he wants it. Yeah, Joe says he can't agree with the Miggy and Maxman comments. They need support when they create. There's no one in the middle at home. We should have two up front. And it was interesting on Sunday. There was two chances in the in the first half quite early on where the ball did flash across the the, the box. And again, you say, well, would Callum Wilson of old. Being that, I, I think actually he may have passed one of them, so it would have been a bit difficult for him to be that quick. But the second one, I think he, I think it was, he, he just wasn't there. And I think, you know, the Callum Wilson of old would have been there. He would have been pouncing because that's what he's good at. And again, you know, it's it's these moments in big games, as at the outset, decide on big moments where you do look back and you think, oh, you know, if only. Yeah, definitely, and I think you know. It's Isaac's chance to prove now if he does get in that number nine position over Wilson that he can be the sort of poacher that is gonna, you know, get on the end of Maxi and Miggy and Trippier's balls in the middle. So, as um as whoever made that comment, I can't see it on the screen. Is um, Joe there? Joe, but yeah. So, yeah. Look, change the personnel up. 
maybe it unlocks you know that little bit extra from Miggy. Maybe it unlocks that little bit extra from Trippier, who are going to keep their places. Um, but but I I don't look. Maybe we're being negative in the sense that we're saying what they can improve. But you know, I think I think there's there's ways you can change this team to make it better. And well, you're always striving to improve, aren't you? Because you know, if you stand still, then you you, you risk going going back. So I don't think there's anything wrong with always looking to get better. That's how you how you become the best. Um, <clears throat> Adam says he thinks Wilson needs closer support going forward. And he totally agrees with Almiron reverting to type in terms of end product. How about setting up with a four-two-three-one defense unchanged? Bruno and Jordan in the midfield with Maxi, Isaac, yeah. Gordon behind Wilson. I think that team is pretty much spot on apart from that. Gordon over Miggy's a big call. Miggy in this team knows his role, knows what he's doing. His work rate very on Miron's work yeah. rate is quite is quite something. I think even though he's not scoring goals, that work rate for the for the win Newcastle tent lighter players is, is pretty crucial. But I, yeah, yeah, absolutely completely. But I think that team is pretty obviously is pretty much what we saw Sunday second half, I think. We saw it at Fulham as well when Isaac came off the bench and played off Callum Wilson. I think Howie's trying that in in little flashes. He's I don't think he's ever started a game with that system yeah. yet, but it, but he's clearly thinking that that could be a possibility going forward. It was interesting because he did, like I've already mentioned that he did say at the end of the presser that you know he thought they played quite well together, so it was maybe dropping him a little hint. Stewart says Isaac needs a run of games in one position rather than being yeah. playing different roles each time he plays. A bit of consistency probably would be. Good as well. Derek's back saying, so change the attack now is not the time to panic about the defence. Um, let's hear then from a little bit from Eddie Howe in his press conference. And this is what he had to say just a few moments after full time. Disappointed. Um, pleased with how we played. I thought we were really good between both boxes today. But in the boxes is where games are won or lost. And I think today we um, didn't get the, the big moments right defensively and with the chances we did have, we weren't clinical enough and probably didn't create enough for all the ball we had around their box. Yeah, as I sit here now, I've got no regrets with you know, how we tried to set the team up, our intent to the game. We wanted to be really brave as we have been all season and, and try and attack the match and have a right go at Manchester United. It's a strange game because probably low on goalmouth action for periods of it, but I felt we were really competitive. I can't fault the players' efforts, what they've given me in this game. But it's decided on big moments and the free kick, we've, we've not defended it well enough and uh, they're probably the moments we'll look at with regret. So there was Eddie Howe after the game. You can see, you know, quite understandably down about not winning, but, you know... Praising his players, says he had no regrets, couldn't fault them, and I think you know, I think he, I think he's right. You know, they, they didn't perform at the very best, but and I know people say, well, you just spent the last hour bashing most of them, but we haven't. We've been constructive, but they played at a decent enough level, um, and you, you, you can't you can't take positives. Yeah, you can. And I think the first thirty minutes is is certainly a big positive. I thought they were, you know. Actually, you know, really on top, and Manchester United just hit them on, against the run of play, um, and and again in the second half, as as we touched on, I thought it was a good performance despite, you know, not looking um, like they were going to get back in, but they were, they were giving it a good go. So, I don't think you can really, yeah, yes, we can maybe look at it and say how could have maybe started one or two others in different positions, but I think on the whole, he got the system and the especially the changes. I think he got right. Let's hear then from Kieran Trippier as well. This is what Kieran Trippier had to say um, after the defeat to Manchester United in the Carabao Cup final. Kieran, how was it for you? Not disappointing, of course. We was coming into this game with you know high hopes, good mentality to win the game. I thought we started the game unbelievable, especially the first before they scored, to be honest. But you know they have players who have been in these moments every year, and for us, you know, it's about about learning from the, from these moments, start of our journey. Um, we've got to dust ourselves down now because we've got another huge game on Saturday. Did it feel like the start of the journey as well? You know, they had to take a long time to get back here, but maybe you can kick on from here? No, definitely, you know, we've got a strong strong mentality in this group. We've got a strong togetherness in this group. That comes from the manager. Um, 
And like I said, you know, this time last year was fighting relegation. Now we've been in a cup final and fifth in the league. So, you know, we took massive steps. Now it's about believing and, um, and carrying on because that's what we have to do now. We have to accept this disappointment. But the most important thing, we, we gave a good account of ourselves today. I thought we, we matched them in every aspect. Just the goal that was missing, wasn't it? Of course it is. It's about cup finals, big moments like this. It's about taking your, taking your chances, you know. If, if Max's chance goes in just before that they, um, they score their goal, it's a totally different game. You know, Bernie's chance. But again, you know, um, yeah, it's disappointing, of course. Fans were amazing inside the ground, outside the ground. I'm sure you've seen the social media yeah. and that kind of thing. Obviously, you said you didn't give them what they came for, but they've had an amazing weekend. I think for them, it's felt like a step forward. Have you sort of felt that as well? Yeah, definitely. And I think most importantly, we know it's difficult times at the moment for, for everybody. We understand it's not easy to travel all the way down to, to London. It's expensive. And as players, we, we understand that. We appreciate them coming out in numbers. Um, yeah, and... Since I arrived, the fans have been unbelievable, whole man away, and they deserve huge credit because we certainly feel it on the pitch. They're a massive help. They have been throughout the whole season, and the one thing I will say to the supporters is, is, is keep going, keep believing, because we, we have a team in there who are willing to give everything for the club. I mean, the fans don't need don't need any encouragement to keep back in their side. We saw that at full time when the flags came up. Well, even a couple of minutes before the end of the game, the flags came up with. The club 2-0 down and no chance of getting back into it, but they were there backing their their team as always. Just a couple of points there, that trip we made, and he, he kind of was alluding to, to, to the, maybe the lack of experience within within the dressing room, do you think, when it comes to these big occasions, big moments? And and, and, he, and he's right, he is right, um, because this is, this is the start of the journey. Yeah, it, definitely, and it's what I touched on earlier, I think. You look in that dressing room, Trippier has been there and done it in finals and Champions League clashes and title clashes. For all Bruno and Joel, they're not fantastic players. They've never been in that position of, you know, cup finals every year and doing that. Manchester United's team absolutely littered with, with players who have won, you know, every single competition in the game. Um, and I think that's short on Sunday, as, as we've said, but... It's the start of the journey, I think, for all that Newcastle United are going to go and start to sign young, hungry, talented players. They could also do with a couple of, you know, Trippier-esque leaders in that dressing room as well, which I'm sure um, they'll be looking at in the summer as well. Yeah, as Stuart says, he's really excited for the summer transfer window. Um, and just before we finish off by asking you about Carrius, uh, Aaron, there's a big, big debate going on in the comments here, and we love to see it. All about Isaac and Callum Wilson. So let me let me dive straight in here and read you the comments. So Ian says, "Hello lads, Isaac needs to play up front for Callum as as uh, as as well. He's a typical number nine. Whether he's a typical number nine or not, Callum is not playing well in area, any area of his game. So needs dropping now." Um, and then Dale says, "Thought Isaac played very well in number ten role. Would like to see Wilson and Isaac play together. Wilson offers a target man role." Is very good at holding the ball and bringing others into play. But Ian didn't agree. He says Wilson was awful in the number nine position. No movement, limited pressing. And for me, he looks spent. I don't think he looks spent. I think he, he's just not on form. Does he need to be taken out for a couple of weeks and just rested and used off the bench? I think what's really interesting, actually, is that we mentioned this a few weeks ago. Ideally, you would play Isaac and Wilson together. But are you potentially thinking, hey, we I play them together and one gets injured and one gets suspended, I haven't got another striker? Um, no, I don't think that would be going through Eddie Howe's head, if I'm completely honest. I think um, it's an interesting one because I get your point, does Wilson need a little break out of the team? I also get the point of the comments that Wilson and Isaac do actually look like they play together. Isaac, as we, we've said and a lot of the comments have said, Looks like he suits that number 10 role. He hasn't played there all the time, but he looks comfortable in it. But then it means you've got to change the shape. You've got to probably drop long stuff out, which, you know, he's like the engine room of the team. So this is what I'm talking about, though. This is the good, you know, this, the, good this, dilemma. Is, the, this is the good dilemma to have. We want Eddie Howe to have four or five options that nobody knows what's going to happen. I mean, it's going to keep Pep Guardiola on his toes this week when he tries to set his team up to play. So... 
I, I like the idea of Wilson Isaac together at the moment. I'm not too sure because I think the, the team would be a lot more unbalanced without Longstaff in it. Um, but yeah, certainly I think, as we've touched on earlier, certainly someone how wants to try um, later later on in games. Uh, Stuart says, does Wilson stick around if we sign one or two new forwards? I think I think he does. I think I could I could see him finishing his career here if he's willing to maybe in a couple of years' time accept maybe a, a lesser role. But I, I don't see him. I don't necessarily see him being forced out, you know, unless they get a really stupid bid from uh, money wise, in, you know, in, in eighteen months or so. But yeah, massive. Look, we just need him on form because he's one of the best Premier League strikers if he's on form. So we just need to get back to that level. And fingers crossed that starts against City on Saturday. Laurie's carrier saying it was all about redemption. I spoke to him afterwards. Afterwards, he was asked about. Um, can you understand where this redemption story's come from? And he said, "What well, if, I, if, if we'd won the cup, it would have been a good story, but we didn't. And then interestingly, he said, you know, but, you, but you never know, we might be back here next year with Newcastle. I might play another one. So uh, he's seemingly not shutting the door on, on potentially staying at Newcastle longer than the summer. Yeah, look, I told every man and his dog last week that Newcastle were going to lift the cup and he was going to be here on penalties. Unfortunately, it didn't happen, but I thought, Personally for him, he had a very good game. Fantastic save for the Veghorst shot. Fantastic to keep Fernandez out at the end. I know I've seen a few people saying he could have done better for the goal, but I he think couldn't. that deflection takes it away from him. Doesn't I think that's um, really harsh on him. But I think, he, you know, every time every time the ball went anywhere near him, my heart was in my well, that, mouth because I moment, really wanted him to have a good game. That but, first header by Botman, yeah. I'll tell you what, yeah. that was so close to going past the right. Yeah. There was a bit of hesitancy, uh, and he, but he caught it and he felt good. And then he got another one into his arms. And yeah, I, look, because we got back to the hotel and we were working till till the early hours with a with a lovely seven pound pint of Guinness. <laughs> and you turned to me and you said, "I've just watched a, a highlights reel of of, of Carius in this final, and he, he he's made some crucial saves more than more than you remembered." Left, let, I left the stadium thinking, "No, he's had a good game, but you know he hasn't done too much." And as I said, some you know. Thank you very much to the Newcastle fan that put that lovely compilation together. Because as I've just mentioned, you know, big strong save against Rashford from distance. That Veghorst one was flying at the top corner, and I, I know the game was at two 0 and it was just you know it would have just been a you know a late third goal for Man United, but a very very good save to stop Fernandez. So yeah, look as in terms of his long term future, I think a lot of it depends on Dubravka, but there's nothing to say that he can't be Newcastle's number two next season. He's clearly shown something behind the scenes. I thought he was, you know, he had a good game Sunday. Um, number three. I mean, I mean, obviously, he's going to probably want. I think because he said afterwards, you know, he he's shown that he doesn't need to hide away. He can still play at this level. So there seems to be a, a little bit of a drive there to to maybe want to go and find first team football. Yeah. But you know, if it all works out for him and it works out for Newcastle United and Eddie Howe, then clearly you have him in amongst you know poor whether it be Dubravka and. and, and Oh, another second goalkeeper, and then Carius, and then, and then if Gillespie's still about, or, or someone from the, the reserves, the, the youth academy, then you know he's a good little third choice goalkeeper to have around. But I think he did show today that he could probably still do a job, you know, in a mid range Premier League side. And I think he wants that. I think he wants to, you know, desperately, as you've said, he wants to play again. I think the fact he was a free agent when he joined Newcastle, and he's now, you know, enjoyed a very good game on the big stage, he'll be thinking, right. This is now my time to start playing regular football again. Ian says his distribution is better than Dubravka. He'd have him as uh, Newcastle's number two. Carius was decent, says Stewart, considering he hasn't played for two years. He's on par with Dubravka for me. Both decent shots that was always a potential clanger in their locker. Steve, though, says Dubravka, better keep all around. He just became one of the scapegoats. Right. Give me three positives that you took from Newcastle's performance on Sunday. You haven't. I haven't told you this before, so nope. I'm putting you on the spot. Let's let's have three positives. Alexander Isak looks like he's going to be a fantastic addition. He is going to be in the future a really really good player when he gets completely settled in this team. Number one, number two. Even though they're going behind against teams who have spent probably a billion pounds in the last ten years. They're still giving it a very good go. Liverpool last week, Manchester United on Sunday. <sighs> Number three, Loris Carriers didn't drop a clanger. 
There we go. <laughs> I'll I'll chuck in Joe Linton. I'll chuck in Bruno, looking looking like a world world class player. And I'll chuck in a, in, a, in another one as well. It won't be twenty four years until we're back at Wembley. Yep. Yeah, I think that I'll add a fourth one. They've now they've seen what a cup final is like. They've seen the fans flocking to London. They've got that hunger to know that next season when it comes around, you bet the FA Cup and the League Cup they're going to be taken very, very seriously. It's time to get the metaphor out that I've been saving. So I think, right, Sunday's final was like getting the keys to your dream house. Right, and then the memories that you make, you know, you're better half and you're having kids and, you you know, you're having barbecues in the, you know, in, the, in the summer, those kind of memories you'll take with you. That, that, that comes later. That'll be next year's final and the final afterwards. But Sunday was just about, you know, you, you've got the keys. This is yours. And then you go in, you make your improvements and what have you. So that's that's the metaphor I'm using. Yeah? Couldn't have put it better myself. Yeah, there poetry. we go. Um, and just finally then, we've been nominated as the best sport podcast in the Publisher Podcast Awards, which is fantastic. Up against uh, some... Big names, including the BBC, but it's the second year in a row we've been nominated for that, so that is great to see. Thank you guys for following us on the podcast. It's down to kind of you guys continually listening to us, which we do appreciate. And secondly, I just uh, did you enjoy uh, London? Absolutely fantastic weekend. Brilliant from start to finish. Absolutely fantastic to see the scenes on the Saturday. And yeah, look, it won't be 24 years till we're back again. I bloody hope it's not, because I had a very, very good time. Um, apart from those seven pound Guinnesses, but yeah, and the hundred and ninety three stairs of Covent Garden yeah. tube station. Yeah, that was another. That was a collab. Which, by the way, on our YouTube channel later today, we will have uh, the travel diary, and within that, you will see uh, a brief footage of me, Aaron, and Kieran struggling up the hundred ninety three stairs at Covent Garden. Which, given he's got one knee, was a particular <laughs> uh, achievement from yourself, wasn't it? Yeah, I think my physio will be wondering what the hell I've done when I go back and see him next week, given that I've. Was put through my paces on Saturday. Uh, Ian says London was class for the weekend. I mean, Trafalgar Square was was absolutely superb. Stewart says can only be a good experience to have a cup final. And Sam says, did Andrew really just have uh, compare having a kid to having a summer barbecue? No, no, you did. No, I know I did. What and I, I'll be what, telling what, Lil. What I, what I said was, what I meant was, these are the memories. I and mean, you can you, yeah, having a kid and lovely, and then you'll have you know your summer barbecue with your family and your kid <laughs> running around. You know. I shouldn't need to explain the metaphor, Sam, from Newcastle Fans TV. It was a very clear metaphor. Happy memories after getting the keys to your dream house. That's what I meant. Right. Anyway, Put thanks that for that. shuffle away. Goodness me. Goodness me. And we'll finish off on a really positive one. Ian says, we love the uh, podcast. Well done, lads. Thank you very much. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button on the podcast and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep it with all the latest Newcastle United news including all the reaction to Sunday's final and all the build-up to the game against Manchester City and everything in between. It's been a pleasure as always and for me now and enjoy the rest of your week. <laughs>